This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we always appreciate you guys sharing our podcast posts on social media sound like a broken record, but it's only because of you that we have reached a huge, with a capital U, milestone, which we're going to announce on our Stand Up For The Truth Facebook page at noon today. Thanks to you and sharing our posts, particularly the podcasts. Uh, what do I mean by that? You, if you share our posts, other people, your friends are going to see it. If you do not share our posts, people are not going to see our podcast in their newsfeed. For at least five years now, Facebook has shadow banned this ministry, Stand Up For The Truth. Our podcasts, our daily podcasts, typically get maybe five likes on our page. I think we have around 24,000 people who actually like or follow the page but they are limiting what goes into their news feeds, people's news feeds. So generally, you you will not see our posts generally. Uh, some of the weird pictures you might see, but the podcast itself, anything that goes to standupforthetruth.com is typically not in your news feed. That's why we encourage you to go directly to our Facebook page and share. And that's why... It's amazing how many, the numbers we're going to announce at noon today. It really is God. Praise God. He has done it. So let's open up. We've got a very encouraging program today. And, uh, we're going to mention some of the things that's going on in our country and culture, but we're going to go to the Bible. And I'm, I can't wait to talk to Jay Siegert in just a minute. Father in heaven, thank you. We recognize your sovereignty. We recognize your truth. We thank you, Lord. So many people want to know the truth. And they ask questions about what's happening and they, they maybe don't understand the Bible. We give them answers, we respond, and then they don't receive it. Well, Lord, we just thank you that we live in a country that we can still speak the truth. And I pray that you'd lead us and guide us in every conversation that we may do so in love. May our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And we appreciate so much, Lord, that we are not in this alone. You, we have not only your Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of Christ, we have your Word that is true and perfect. But also, no matter where we go, we are not alone because we are members of the body of Christ, citizens of heaven, but also citizens of earth, a dual citizenship. And we thank you that we have family members, really, not biological family, but we have family in Christ that we can encourage one another, sharpen one another, and live this temporary life with until we are with you in glory. And we thank you for the hope that we have in you. We pray, Lord, for, for strength and daily bread. Thank you for your provision, your protection. For anyone that is discouraged, for anyone that is feeling overwhelmed, for someone who might be just really depressed or struggling with what's happening in the country, in our culture or in the church, please, Lord, bless them right now. Touch their hearts and encourage them and remind them of the truth of your word and your presence. Make it known to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's get right into it today, friends and family. Uh, Jay Siegert is with us. He's an author, international speaker. He holds degrees in physics and engineering technology. He's the managing director of the Starting Point Project, a great website. Jay, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Hey, it's always great to be on the program. I'm looking forward to this one in particular. Yeah, so am I, because we, uh, with your help and encouragement, Jay, uh, we have decided to go to God's Word and look at what's happening. We're looking at creation, look at His beauty, look at His majesty, remind believers in Christ that we need to fear not and remember not to grow weary. We have, we've got some scriptures I know you wanted to share. Right at the very beginning, you have a theme from Galatians. I'll just let you start it, and then we'll mention some of the things that are going on that people are struggling with, but we'll point them back to the truth. Sure. I uh, was just... What came to mind initially when thinking about today's program was Galatians 6, 
9 that says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And that can apply to so many things, and we'll be getting into it in this program. But I, I just sense that, and I'm sure you do, and all the listeners, that it's easy to grow weary. I've I've actually grown weary. I You know, I've been in full-time ministry for 13 years, now traveling, you know, constantly. I've uh, been speaking for 34 years, but full-time 13 years, a lot of traveling, mostly U.S., but also international. And that just all came to a screeching halt in March and, uh, you know, changed everything. Mm-hmm. And at first it was just kind of odd and unique and a little bit interesting. And, you know, admittedly, though, after a while, it just got old and I felt my myself kind of growing weary like okay enough is enough let's get back to life and then I started sensing that I, I don't know that we will ever get back to uh, the way it was we probably won't uh, I think things will improve but um, it may not be exactly like it was before not that it was perfect but that was uh, that was wearing on me, and I I was admitting it to God, saying I'm just kind of tired of all this, and I don't really want to complain. But I I did really feel weary about all the things, and every day it was something else, you know, coming through the news, and so it is easy to grow weary. So in, in today's program, we're going to be getting into a, a few things that will mention what's going on around us, but it will also give us some direction of how can we respond when we're feeling overwhelmed and how can we do things that would actually be very energizing and things that God wants us to do during these challenging times. Yes, Jay, and I'll read that next, very next verse in Galatians 6, um, verse 10 says, so then, right after it says, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary, verse 10 says, so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and family in Christ. Catch this next part. Especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So we are to do good to all people, love our neighbors, but especially Christian family, brothers and sisters who might be struggling, who might need encouragement, who might just need a a word or a smile or whatever it might be, maybe financial help, especially do good to those who are believers. It, It says, you know, do good to everybody. But we are to pay special attention to those within our church families, within believers, the family of believers. Now, why does it say we need to be especially helpful and and do good to those who are of the faith? Well, we are living in this world, and we are not of this world. So it can be very frustrating for those of us who know the Word of God and who study God's Word and know the truth and how encouraging the Scriptures that give us hope and Looking at this world, I mean, I'm just looking at a couple articles here. I'm thinking, man, talk about Romans 1, the triumph of humanism. We need to face the fact, unfortunately, friends in America, and it's harder for people over 50 to hear this, we've lost the culture. If you call it a culture war, so be it, but we've lost the culture. Um, and you look at Romans 1, just some of the things that we've been dealing with, ungodliness, unrighteousness, suppression of the truth as it gets to toward the end of Romans 1, worshiping creation rather than the Creator. And let's pause right there, Jay, because on this program, on this podcast, we've talked many times about creation and just the majesty of God. The the heavens declare the glory of the Lord through His creation. We have that conscience. We know that He created everything, and yet we have people worshiping the earth and ignoring God. And those are pushing the environmental movement. I would love for you to share just a few thoughts on that. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, my mind is spinning a million miles an hour because there are so many directions we can go <laughs> with, with the program. And But this is, this is actually probably more important than most people realize. Uh, we're dealing with multiple issues here. There are so many things going on and we might get into it later, but uh, we're dealing. We're not only dealing with something now, but there's always been something. And there's, you know, we don't need to go into depth in any of these things. But if you think about it, you know, for quite a while we were really worried about terrorism around the world, and it mm-hmm. kind of pinnacled with 9/11 and all that. And we were worried about it ever since then. But I don't really hear about that much anymore. And then there was a threat from North Korea. 
Then there was all the uh, things that were uncovered with sexual harassment in Hollywood. And then there's the LGBTQ movement. And then there was a whole gay marriage thing that was huge, huge, huge. And it's not that these things have totally gone away. You just don't hear about them in the news as much. And then when we legalized, you know, marijuana in different places and the whole global warming, climate change, um, environmentalism, school shooting and gun control, there's always been these issues that at the time just seemed like the end of the world. But then before you know it, we're on to something else that's huge. And people forget about like, well, whatever happened with this other thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like yeah. The, the biggest thing. And now no one's talking about it. you. You totally forget about those things. So we're, we're, we're right now in another little time segment where we're dealing with COVID largely, and then we got elections coming up. That's pretty big. Those are the two biggest things right now. But no one's worried about climate change right now when they were forcing that on us so much not long ago in North Korea and in all these things. So what you have to do is don't get too caught up in any individual issue because that's really not the issue. That's a symptom of the problem. And so uh, just real quick story. At our church, we had someone come in, um, and he was head of the rescue mission in Milwaukee, and he was going to be addressing the culture wars that are going on right now and the unrest and riots and protests and all that. And I didn't know what he was going to say, but I was really praying that it would be an appropriate message. And I was so impressed that he he had the sermon that day. And he didn't go through all the details of all the garbage that's going on or talk about different programs that we need to start or more money for these other programs or this or that. He said the only solution is the gospel. Amen. And he, he focused on that the whole time. And I thought that that's amazing because that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's not that we shouldn't address different things going on. We should, but ultimately we need to get to the gospel and the gospel is so connected to Romans 1 that you brought up. That's why I said my mind is spinning going all these places. But I'll make a brief comment about this, and that is when we talk to others, whether it's Christians or non-Christians and skeptics, we need to say, yeah, there's a lot of strange things going on right now, but why is that? And then we need to get back to the big picture, and that's the whole thing of all of creation. How did it start? What was it like initially? What happened to it? What went wrong? What was God's plan to fix it? And what are we seeing going on right now? And Romans 1 addresses that Mm -hmm. when you start halfway through the chapter. And it says that, you know, God puts so much evidence just in nature that the skeptic is without excuse. They're never going to be able to stand before God and say, well, I didn't. I didn't believe in you because I didn't see any evidence of your existence. God is telling us there's enough evidence just in nature itself that they are without excuse and that he, God himself, has placed the knowledge of his, his existence inside every human being, so much so that they're without excuse. And then it goes on to say that some of those people that God has placed this knowledge in have chosen to reject it, not because of their superior intellect, but because of their sinful nature. Mm-hmm. That's what's causing them to want to reject it. And God says, okay, you don't have to believe in me. I'm not going to twist your arm. However, there are consequences for doing so. And then the rest of the chapter spells out what we are going to see when people reject the existence of God. And it goes through a whole list, and it kind of describes what we're seeing today. So when Christians think through these things and they think about talking to someone else, they need to keep in mind that scenario that these skeptics are spiritually blinded, um, and it's really a heart issue that needs to be addressed rather than fixing these problems and putting a Band-Aid on something which is only temporary until we move to the next issue. Yeah, when you mentioned it is a heart issue, um, I'm reminded of the continuing uh, protest uh, some of them are riots, and they're very violent, and they're tearing down uh, statues, and they're going into American cities. They're, Portland is having a big issue right now, Seattle. just it's, it's, it's a sin problem, not a skin 
problem. Of course, there's an organization, Black Lives Matter, which we talked about many times on this podcast, and we know the organization itself is completely the antithesis of what Christianity teaches. But the premise that black lives do matter, we all would agree with that. We all would agree that every human life matters. But I want to get back to something you said, talking about environmentalism in Romans chapter 1 at the end there. It says we, we have no excuse because we do have a conscience, which is one of the four restraints of of evil. Uh, we, you have the conscience, you have the family, you have government, and the police, you know, restraining evil in our culture, and you've got the church. Four restraints to to uh, to uh, mitigate evil. And now we're going back to creation and the response of some that would just deny God. What direction are they going? They're going in a very extreme direction where they almost turn it. They call her um, Mother Earth. Uh, it's Gaia. They worship this, um, you know. Entity or this God, small g, and anything in nature, they think, oh, that's part of God. No, no, a rock or a, a tree or whatever, it's not part of God. But yet they're going this way. Why? Because they have denied the truth. They have abandoned the truth of God. Now, Jay, you mentioned that I do want to say, when you're talking about the environment, um, we've got an election coming up. And regardless of what you think of the morality or the character of the two men that will probably be our choice of president, Trump or Biden, there's two completely different directions that this country could go. Let me just share with you, um, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, she is uh, going to serve on Biden's, quote, climate panel. She's a Democrat socialist. She wants socialism in America. She wants high taxes, regulation. She wants to wipe out entire industries. And you know what the radicals on the left are pushing. Well, guess what? We've got a man there now, Joe Biden, that's going to say, oh, okay, well, if that's going to get me you know, points with the left, I'm going to, sure, we're going to go in that direction. So I just want to point this out. We are going to go completely away from a biblical worldview once you start pouring money into these uh, environmental causes. And not, not to say we're not to take care of the planet. We've talked a lot about that, Jay. But let's move on and talk about some of the reasons that people are feeling down about all this going on. I mean, look at, look at the headline. It just opened up CNS News, and right there, Joe Biden calls Trump the first racist to get elected president. So Biden obviously is not standing on his policies. His policies will wreck the economy, the country. He said... Um, What's another thing he he just recently tweeted out? He said, um, I, you know what? I don't want to misquote him. Where is it? Here we go. All right. Joe Biden tweeted this. Uh, uh, now, talking about the transgender issue, and then, Jay, I'm going to let you just take it wherever you want to go. He said, transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. So he is going to, he said in this statement, he's going to require federally funded schools, public schools, to allow biological males who identify as females, to use female bathrooms and locker rooms. Jay, we're right back to where we started referring to creation. God exists. He created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind, male and female. Go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so much there. Yeah. Um, I you know, Sometimes when I am giving my presentations, I'll mention that uh, we've kind of lost our moral compass, and then I mentioned that, you know, last I checked, Facebook recognizes 72 options for gender, and I, I usually say that, you know, if you paid me a million dollars, I couldn't make up 11, but they've got 72, <laughs> and then I ask the audience, I say, what, what's wrong with that? And my answer is, nothing. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, unless... There is a singular source against which everything is measured. And I hold up the Bible and I say, then we could say, you know what, I, I think there's going to be an issue with that, and let me explain why. And this is what we need to get back to when we talk about transgenderism or abortion or any of these issues that we could bring up. They are not wrong because of problems associated with them. They have problems associated with them because they are wrong, and we only know that they're wrong well, kind of two ways. Uh, number one, God has instilled his moral law in our heart, but he's also given us his written law in the Bible. And so when someone brings up an issue, I usually tell them, you know what, 
I'm not an important enough person for the whole world to stop and hear my opinion. But let me just see if the Bible has anything to say about this topic that you're bringing up. And then I would take them to Scripture and then say, you know what, I guess with the transgenderism, yeah, that that's going to be considered a problem and considered wrong because God created us male and female, and marriage is one man and one woman for life. And so that's why we're seeing issues with it, and that's why I would conclude my opinion then becomes that it is wrong. If you have a problem with what I'm sharing, it's not really with me personally. It's with what God's word says, and you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 says, Every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. At some point, you're going to be giving an account there. Yes. Um, so don't worry so much about disagreeing with me. Worry about disagreeing with God's word. And if you don't think it's God's word, you know, we'll go down that path, and I can talk about that all day. But the key point here is we need to always turn to Scripture to say to people, what does God say about this issue you're bringing up? Because it's not our opinion. We are, in fact, the Bible doesn't anywhere tell us to prove God's word, prove his existence. It asks us to read God's word, believe it, accept it, practice it, and share it with others. Um, and we want to also give them reasons why we have decided to believe the Bible. That's what apologetics is all about. Apologetics is not about proving the Bible or proving God's existence. It's about giving reasons why we have accepted the existence of God and we have accepted personally that the Bible is the written word of God. We are to give them reasons, First Peter 3.15 and Jude 1.3, contend for the faith. Give them very logical, rational reasons why they themselves should consider that the Bible is what it claims to be. And when you start with that, that ends up fixing all these social problems that we have versus telling someone abortion is wrong because it causes undue stress for the mother and it breaks up families and all these things. And then you just have a debate back and forth with the facts where you should be saying, I can say that it's wrong. It's morally wrong because God is the one who says it's wrong. Uh, and that's why it needs to be changed rather than let's just throw some facts back and forth. Amen. Uh, good points, Jay. And we're going to talk about what Christians believe the word of God teaches because you brought us back to the word. That's our starting point. And you mentioned the heart again. These are sin issues, worldview issues. When we come back, as you know, friends, the theme today is don't grow weary. We're going to talk about what professing Christians believe about the Bible, and there's a lot of confusion out there. A lot more with Jay Siegert on Stand Up For The Truth in a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Jay Seeger, the starting point project. And Galatians 6, 9, our theme today, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Another translation says, if we do not lose heart. Okay, so before we go to this uh, Barna research that is very eye-opening about what professing Christians seem to think the Bible teaches, um, a study came out of the University of Wisconsin recently, Jay, um, not surprising, uh, further information that these lockdowns of the country, the economy, businesses, and now possibly schools are not just dumb, but they're immoral. 68% depression rate from kids who are denied school, sports, uh, functions, friends, socializing, 68% depression rate. I don't have all the details. It's in the article of how they came to that. But we're talking about trying to save lives here because of the coronavirus, and these lockdowns are causing, in some people's opinion, much more damage than good, and lives are really maybe saved physically but there's an increase in depression, uh, suicide rates, and they're being harmed. This is a University of Wisconsin health research study, which I found it to be surprising that they would uh, announce this, even if they their research found these results to be true. What do you think, Jay? Well, first, I agree with you that I'm surprised that they would announce that because that doesn't seem to play well with the narrative exactly. that most in the media want to portray. Um, but it, it doesn't surprise me that that's what they have actually found because it just makes sense. My own experience, I I would like to consider myself a fairly stable person, <laughs> and all this is, is getting to me. And just mm -hmm. last night, um, I, I seem to be kind of coming out of it where I, I just admitted, yeah, it's it's really bugging me, but 
that that's okay. God's still in control. And so I'm, you know, certainly rebounding and it wasn't that significant for me. But what hit me last night was if it was straining me that much, trying to be a strong Christian and praying and having hope, how do people handle this who ultimately don't have hope? They're on their own. They have a bad relationship with their parents or their parents have passed away and they don't have a lot of friends and, and all these reasons why all this would be just overwhelming to them are kids who don't have direction and they're used to being around their friends and socialization and most kids don't love school for school itself, but they, it's somewhere to go. It's a purpose. They have friends. And so you take that away. Yeah, it's going to wreak havoc on the country. And I, and we probably won't go too far off the path here, but I, I think it's a huge, huge political agenda. And this would play well into they just want mayhem all over the country yes. because it's easier to get us to go the direction they would like if we're experiencing all these problems. So this is just one more thing that will help, you know, increase the mayhem. So that, that doesn't surprise me. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but you, you, I think I just want to mention masks. Don't be <laughs> a virtue signal, signaler. If you wear a mask, great. If you don't wear a mask, great. But if you are saying, I'm loving my neighbor by wearing a mask, please stop it. Because you're implying that those who do not choose to wear a mask do not love their neighbors, so they're not good Christians. We're not obeying one of the commandments. Give me a break. So I just wanted to share that, friends. We need to be loving to our family in Christ. Some are very, uh, they have health issues, asthma and other things. They cannot wear masks and should not. And now some stores, by the way, that have been requiring their employees to wear masks for eight hours a day, they're seeing the, there's some health issues because of that. They're saying now employees do not need to wear masks during their entire shift because they're seeing some problems. So anyway, let's balance this out, back up a minute and say, I'm going to do my best to respect others. I'm not going to look down on them if they do wear a mask, and I'm not going to look down on them if they do not wear a mask because there's research for both sides back to this study from the university of wisconsin results showing significant and alarming mental health impacts on school closures and sports cancellations which is not surprising we need people we were created to have fellowship um of the more than 3,000 participants, it said 65% re- reported anxiety symptoms uh, 25% of them moderate or severe. So this data is not surprising, Jay. Um, so let, let's just keep this all in perspective, friends. We know this is not normal what we're doing here in this country, regardless of how some governors and some um, emperors, uh, the power grabs that are being uh, enacted, which is so disappointing. Uh, we need to do our best and don't throw, please don't throw Romans 13 out there as a coverall for everything, right? No matter what the government tells you to do, you do it, you know, regarding the mask mandates. All right. I got, I got off my soapbox here. We got to get to this Barner research, Jay. Um, unless you had something you'd like to share on what I just, uh, read. No, I, uh, we can get back to it later if you want, okay. but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Barna, very disappointing, but not surprising. Through the years, they've done a lot of research and they, they ask Christians, people that profess to be Christian. And what we found in the last couple decades is a lot of people think they're Christians and they really don't have a grasp of what the Bible teaches. So in this, uh, one of these studies, 17% of professing Christians are truly Bible believing. Christians. So what determines a Bible-believing Christian? Let's get, let's get to six questions. Does absolute moral truth exist? Is the Bible totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches? Is Satan a real being and not just some symbolic force? Can people earn their way to heaven by doing good works? Did Jesus live a sinless life? And number six, is God the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. Unfortunately, Jay, in this Barna research, only 9% of Americans can answer these questions biblically. Um, 17% of professing Christians can do so. So it's, it's no wonder this poll is really an eye-opener. And four stats from this poll, and I'll let you share your thoughts, Jay. It says, 
77% of Americans, now this is not Christians, this is Americans, believe divorce is acceptable. 71% believe uh, sex between unmarried adults is acceptable. 69% believe having a baby out of marriage, out of wedlock, is acceptable. 58% believe viewing pornography is acceptable. Now, this is Americans. So, friends, it, it, does this, Jay, does this come back to the question, how have we impacted the United States as a Christian church? Have we lost our influence? And I think all this research that's now coming out truly says Absolutely, yes. Christians have not been the salt and light we could have been. That's it's huge, and that gets to the core of the problem. I, when you think back to the founding of our country, which you know, no one thinks it was perfect, but there were a lot of good things going on, and there were a lot of biblical principles being practiced, some of them because the founders were Christians, others because even though people involved weren't necessarily truly Christians, they had pretty good Christian morals, and they live their lives that way. And so we had a pretty good founding, and the church had a huge effect on the culture. Mm -hmm. Now, today, fast forward, um, the church is losing and continuing to lose its effect on the culture, and it's being watered down. And again, going back to the most basic foundation we can, you look at Genesis. God creates everything. It's perfect. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're perfect. They have perfect fellowship with God. First thing that happens, Satan gets in there, and he says to Eve, hath God said, did God really say you can't eat of any tree in that garden? Well, you know what? God didn't say that. He said you can eat of any tree in that garden except for one. So Satan twisted God's word, and he took it out of context, and he got Eve to doubt God's word. His mm. plan has not changed whatsoever. He's still causing people to doubt. Skeptics certainly do not believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but now even many Christians, as you're revealing, do not really see the Bible truly as the inspired word of God. Parts of it are. It's got some good principles for living in it, but you can't take it too seriously. <laughs> and people are living their lives based on how they feel. They feel that divorce should be okay. They feel this. They feel that. So you can sh share truth all day long with them, and they might just say, well, but that's just not how I feel. <laughs> and I won't go down that path right now, but <laughs> they, large, they largely will base their decisions on how they feel at the time versus based on anything that's substantial or truth-based in Scripture. And so with the church weakening and many churches, not all, there's some great churches out there, mm -hmm. but many churches have just decided we just won't take a position on a lot of these social issues. We're just going to stick to this or that. I won't even just say the gospel because a lot of churches, you don't even hear the gospel in there yes, a lot. I know. Uh, just different themes that they'll go through and how to, how to be better parents and how to have a better marriage and those are, those are great things to address from time to time in the church, but they've really lost their focus, they're they're saying we won't, you know, complain about these different social issues or say right or wrong or tell you what to think. And so what what's the point then? So they have lost their effect in society, so society starts to take over and and implode on the, the church. And so you're seeing just tiny little lights here and there rather than these huge beacons that we used to have. Let's uh, go back to, you mentioned the gospel and, and how that, we've got to go back to our hope, right? This is our hope. Um, we, before we got on the air, I think, we were talking, throwing back and forth a few scriptures, and 1 Corinthians 15, I think, is one, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible, one of my. <laughs> but I just do, do want to mention to encourage believers that are feeling overwhelmed with everything that's going on, and uh, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 58, which is the last verse in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So go, going back to what we started off this program with Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary, friends, in doing good. We will soon reap a harvest just if we faint not, if we don't give up. 
J, the very beginning of that chapter, is the gospel. Paul says, I make known to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, by which you are saved. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, verse 3, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then it goes on to his appearances to Peter, to the twelve, to all the five hundred brethren at one time most of whom were still alive at the time that this was written. So I'd love for you to just share your thoughts on how this is sandwiched. you got the gospel at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. That is our hope. And at the end it says, don't grow weary. Uh, We have the victory in Christ and never stop doing good because your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Well, that's huge. And the gospel is, is ultimately always the answer. And when we dance around that, uh, we give platitudes, virtual signaling, virtual signaling, um, signaling, and we're putting band-aids on things. Ultimately, we need to get people back to the gospel. Number one, for Christians uh, to properly understand what it actually is and then help them convey that to others and with the skeptics to actually share that ultimate hope that we have in Christ that even as things are getting bleak and you know you make the the joke that you know we've read the end of the book we know how it turns out there, there's two things to that yeah we know what the very end is that, that Christ wins and it's glorious but it also says things get a lot worse before that happens yes. and so when we see the things going on around us, to me, it's very consistent with what I'm expecting from Scripture, even though it will ultimately turn out well and perfect and God's will. But we're going to go through hard times, and it's I think it's going to continue to get worse. So getting back to the gospel, um, again, my mind spinning, here's one of the things <laughs> that I think is very, fairly significant, and that is, when uh, here, here's a typical scenario, and people might be able to relate to this and why this causes problems. Let's say that there's a family living in a neighborhood and they're struggling. The husband and wife have huge issues with their marriage. The kids are problematic and all, you know, whatever. All these things are going on, and they don't really go to church or anything. Nice people, but you know they have issues. So there's a lot of those scenarios everywhere. And then the wife, let's say, says, you know what, my, my life is a wreck. I, you know what, I, I need to get back to church. Man, we haven't gone since the kids were in early grade school and it's been probably 15 years and that's, that's what I need to do. So she finds some local church and let's say it's actually pretty decent church. So now she's in church and she's feeling good because people are greeting her and, and she hears a sermon about how to have a better marriage or raising your kids or whatever. And it's, you know, it's good stuff. And at the end, the pastor says, you know what, if you're here today and you are really struggling, which she identifies with, he said, you just need to invite Jesus in your heart. And she's thinking, well, if anyone knows the answer to my problems, it would be a pastor. And he's saying, I need Jesus in my heart. And so afterwards, she's talking to people and she said, I, I did that. And they're like, you did what? She said, the, the Jesus in my heart thing. Oh, you did. Oh, how wonderful. And everyone's excited and she's excited because they're excited. It's just <laughs> a lot of emotion. And so she goes home, but it doesn't take long for her to realize nothing has changed. Mm. Still has all these problems at home personally with her husband. Yeah, everything. And just so one of two things happens. Either she says, well, I guess that wasn't the solution, and she goes somewhere else into yoga or this or that, who knows, you know, whatever. Um, or she says, well, I just have to stick it out, you know, and keep going to church because I'm a Christian now, and that's the right thing to do. So she continues to go to church, being surrounded by probably many others at that church who aren't maybe truly Christians, hearing some good information each week, but never really hearing the gospel message that changes lives. And so... What happens when the pastor says you need to invite Jesus in your heart, he knows what he means by that, and many people in the church knows what he means, but the person who's checking it out only hears Jesus should be in their heart. He's not. Okay, come in my heart. They don't even know what that means or what just happened. It has nothing to do with repentance or forgiveness of sins or, you know, any, it's not the true gospel. Exactly. So for us as Christians, we need to understand what that gospel is, and First Corinthians certainly goes through that in, in detail understand what that is and change that as life-changing power rather than anything else we might say about, oh, you just need God in your life. 
Amen. Jay, we've got to take a break. Uh, more when we come back. We're going to talk about how each generation has had its challenges in America and, of course, around the world. Don't grow weary, friends. More on Stand Up For The Truth in a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project. Our world and our country is like a ticking time bomb. There are uh, trials, there are tragedies that Christians were living in this world, not of this world, but we are going through this. But we have a hope knowing if you go to the Bible, what we're experiencing and seeing is a fulfillment of end times prophecy. I mean, Jesus even said some of the things we are going through now, he didn't get specific on those, but he said these things, these signs are the beginning of birth pangs. God promised, friends, that he will never forsake us. And some of us are going to be called home before uh, the craziness comes to an end and uh, before Jesus returns. Some of us will be going home. And you point out, Jay, in some notes you sent me, which I think this is very helpful to go next, each generation has had its challenges around the world. But in America, we're talking about this is our context. We live here. Uh, We're citizens of a country with an amazing constitution and the religious freedoms we have. But we have had challenges in our history. I would love for you to share your thoughts and some perspective on that. Yeah, again, it puts things into perspective when you you think back to, you know, initially the Revolutionary War and then you get to the Civil War. I mean, imagine the whole country being so divided that one half, in a sense, is fighting the other half. And so many people lost their lives in in the Civil War. And then we've had, you know, other foreign wars and the Great Depression. I can't imagine, you know, having to live through that because we look back and think, well, yeah, they went through some hard times for a little bit, but then they came out. Well, when you're starting to go through that, you don't know this is only going to be for X amount of years or whatever. It could be the, the new normal that, you know, we say today, which I don't like that phrase, but, um, but you know, each time when you're in it, you don't see the end game. You don't know. And right now we are in one of those things where we don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, the, I think the election in November will have a lot to do with kind of what direction we go after that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. think no matter what happens, I don't think all of a sudden it's going to be like, okay, we're fine now because bad things can and will happen no matter what the, the choices that we make as a country. But the point is every generation has had their challenges. And I think back to the World War II generation of the youth who many were eager to sign up and go fight. I, I don't think we necessarily have that with younger people today. And I'm not trying to, to blame them or anything. It's just, it's a different culture mm-hmm. than we had. And they went through some tremendous challenges during those times. So we today, I, th- I think we've, my life and I'm, I'm 57 years old. Um, I think the vast majority of my life I've had it pretty cushy. Yes, and our country has has done very well, and we've been enjoying God's blessings. But how long do we expect God to say, "Well, I'll just ignore this. I'll ignore you know you boarding all the babies. I'll ignore the gay marriage. I'll ignore, ignore transgenderism. I'll ignore kicking God out of the school system and prayer." And you know, is He just supposed to? turn a blind eye, you know, stand down like the police are supposed to stand down. Hmm. If he does, what kind of God is he? If he doesn't, then people get mad, but there are standards and you go back to scripture to see what those are. So we are having our challenges and we need to have our focus on God during these times rather than what the specific challenge is. Well, now that you put it that way, uh, <laughs> bringing up biblical morality and how, oh, how long could God continue to... <laughs> not have his full judgment come down on a country that kills millions of babies in the womb that has just recognized now uh, nationwide that, that marriage between two people of the same sex is great and now it's being celebrated. It's not only legal, but we forget years after even abortion was legalized in 1973, we forget that what what man cannot make moral what God has declared immoral. And Isaiah 5.20 says, Do, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
We're now, we've flipped now in this country. Unfortunately, in this younger generation growing up now, a majority believe uh, that you can eliminate a life in the womb and that's okay for whatever reason. They also believe you can marry whoever you want because, quote, love is love, right? So when we can go on down the list of this, they're more in favor of socialism. What does that do? That's godlessness. That's the gospel of envy, and it's all about money and, and coveting and everything else. And when government comes in and takes control. So we're getting close, Jay, but this is very prophetic. I do want to turn to Psalm Two, real quick and get your thoughts on this because what we're seeing now is a shift in not only tolerating these ungodly ideas, but now we're generally as a country, we're kind of promoting and celebrating them. Look at the streets that are often, not today, before COVID that were filled with rainbow flags and balloons and half naked people. And I'm not exaggerating pride parades and and so many of these corporations going down this road we have we have been given over to a depraved mind and our country is now fighting against god and his principles psalm 2 says this why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers counsel together against the lord and his anointed And verse 4 says, here's God's reaction to all this. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king, capital K, and that would be Jesus. And if you go down, it says, Today I have begotten you, talking about Jesus. You are my son. The last two Verses in Psalm 2, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, Jesus, that he not become angry and you perish in the way. And this is sobering to end Psalm 2. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jay, your thoughts. Well, it's huge, and again, it, it, it brings us back to the context of what Scripture has to say, which is always the direction we should go when talking with others to show them why we have the thoughts and opinions we do and why we're seeing. I mean, you could clearly delineate what's going on around us. You know, we talk about the, the pride parades and things like that. You could share that with someone, and you could say, you know what, today we, we have laws in our land, right? Yes. So if someone violates a law, there, there's a consequence, right? Yes, that, that this makes sense. Everyone would say yes. Otherwise, someone could just shoot them and say there should be no consequences because you just said that. So everyone realizes there are standards and we have laws because of that. And when the law is violated, there's a consequence. So you could show that you could read the, that scripture and many other scriptures and you could say, does it seem like scripture is saying this particular issue is a good thing or a bad thing? Is it, is it a violation of God's standard? And they would say, yeah, what you just read says that that is a bad thing, whatever the issue is. Then you could say, okay, if, if someone violates that, then there should be a consequence, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so then why do you today expect to be able to violate those things and not have any consequences from God? Now, the only thing they could say is, well, I don't believe that the, the Bible is God's word. Then I'd say, okay, we have a totally different issue now to discuss. Uh-huh. So let's stop, let's stop <laughs> talking about the, you know, the transgenderism or the gay marriage or whatever it is. Let's get away from the specific and get to the general. You have an issue with God's word. That's where the actual problem is that you should admit. And then we could focus on helping them understand why the Bible truly is God's word, and that's his standard, because very, very quickly, with God, we have three options. Either God created everything, but he, he doesn't care. We could kill each other, we could be kind, he, he just doesn't care. That doesn't make sense to anyone that God would do all that and not care at all. Number two, he created all of us, he does care, he has standards, he just never bothered to tell us what they are. That doesn't make any sense to anyone that he would have these standards and hold us accountable 
but he knows that we don't even know what they are. <laughs> the third option, third option, the last one is he created everything and all of us. He does care. He has standards and he told us what they are. And that's what the Bible claims to be. And that's yes. the only one scenario that makes sense. Amen. It does make sense. And we have a choice as Christians, obey or disobey. And, uh, you know, it says so much about obedience, which is not always easy. And especially when it's not, quote, popular, right, Jay? Uh, we feel peer pressure. We feel the culture around us and everything changing, the shift against biblical values, godly values, what the Word of God teaches. And even in the church, and this is where and when it comes home, friends, you've got Christian friends, you've got people in the church that are believing things that go completely against what Scripture teaches. How are we going to address that? Because we, our silence for decades certainly hasn't helped on many of these issues. And us backing out of culture certainly hasn't helped. Look at the direction of our country now. Look at the lawlessness now. So we've got to get back to the Word of God. Jay, final thoughts. We, we started off by sharing Galatians 6, 9. Let's not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Yeah, I'll just close with one other passage. It's one of my favorites of the entire Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, I'll just 28 through 31 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. His po- he, he gives power to the faint. Mm. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Haven't you heard? I love how I'd ask that question a couple times in in Isaiah 40. But uh, yes, wings like eagles. And by the way, I want to parenthetically insert a descriptor, Jay, because when those eagles are, are, and you know this, you've studied this as well, those eagles, when they're high above riding out a storm, the most violent storm, they're just up on top of it, just floating, and their wings are locked. And the, the the wind and the storm is doing all the work, and the, the eagles are just locking their wings. Yeah, uh, to us looking up, it almost looks as if it's effortless because they're riding out the storm. And what a good example for us. We will walk and not grow weary, and we will run and not faint. Jay, thank you. I think we needed a more encouraging podcast today where we look to God's Word, emphasize the gospel, and point people to the truth as we uh, just look at what's happening in our country and how to respond as Christians. God bless you, brother. Jay Seegert, Starting Point Project. All right, when we come back, we're going to let you know what's uh, on tap for tomorrow. I'm Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, tomorrow we've got a lot of articles and topics to discuss a global survey, one of them found that uh, 51%, so a little over half, think that a pe- that the person can be good without God. So can you be good without God? Not to say you, that you can't do good things, good works, but can you be good? And we'll talk about the human heart. We've got a uh, article about Wisconsin, uh, new COVID-19 cases reported almost every day. But what does that mean? Do they talk about the deaths and hospitalizations? No. We'll talk about that, plus uh, another article on uh, time on social media. Is it helpful? And if we have time, an article on a cashless society. Did you notice some people are running out of coins or cash, apparently? Where did that come from? All of a sudden, hmm, how convenient. So we're supposed to use our debit cards. What, do we need Need a chip in our wrist or whatever? Now, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And some cultural programming out in Seattle You're not going to believe how they're pushing this uh, movement against, quote, white privilege. So much to discuss tomorrow on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.